Today we had draft guru Sam Vecini on to talk about what the Mavericks might do at pick number 18. Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato, as always, uh, the Athletic's Mavericks beat writer. Today we've got a, a draft-centric pod. We're kind of going to look ahead to uh, the, the first and second round picks that the Mavericks have. And to do that, we've got Sam Vecini, who is our in-house draft expert. Um, and also, I don't know why I didn't introduce him first, but Dave Dufour, as always. But, so you know, easily that's, that's just implied. So yeah, just implied. No, I, no. I, I wanted to skip right ahead to Sam because like, I, was, I was actually excited to talk to someone who isn't Dave for once. <laughs> well, I, I matter more than Dave. It's fine. It's fine. Well, for this one, for sure, because I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I, I will be honest, um, you know, I've done very little work toward the draft. I, if I didn't see yeah, these me guys. Too. Yeah, yeah, I know. If I didn't see these guys in person, I just don't really know who they are. That's fair. I, and I feel the same way. I mean, usually we, we get used to them at the tournament. Um, if, if you're an NBA focused person, you, you end up watching the tournament yeah. stuff. Um, and that, by the way, like, there are a lot of. There are a lot of NBA executives who are the same way. They get used to draft prospects and see them in person, like during conference tournament season, because they can go and see 12 teams in the same location. They can go see eight teams in a first weekend NCAA tournament location. It's just like logistically valuable for them to be able to go about it that way because we didn't get an NCAA tournament and conference tournament season. I think that a lot of NBA executives are, I don't want to say they're behind the eight ball because they're getting a chance to watch tape and, you know, what the else are you going to do in quarantine but like i don't you know they probably haven't seen these kids in person as much as you would think yeah but you have sam obviously uh that is that is the one thing i that is just a constant in this world um so so this podcast is a companion you know verbal version of a conversation piece we did on theathletic.com um and just as a quick plug we have a 90 day free trial if for whatever reason you're listening to the free version of this, but have not subscribed to The Athletic, uh, go ahead and do that and read our very long but very comprehensive uh, conversation. Me and me and uh, Sam just talking draft picks. But uh, that's also what we're going to do here today. And so just as a housekeeping note, uh, the Mavericks, if the season ended today, you know, if, if the standings get locked in, they will have the 18th pick um, for whenever the NBA draft happens, whether it's June or June or some other point. And uh, they also have the 31st overall pick from Golden State uh, for reasons I literally don't remember. But but they've, they've had that pick and it's a very valuable pick. The first pick in the second round is quite useful because the first round has a very strict, rigid structure for how much you can pay first rounders. Uh, but the second round is not, uh, which means that, you know, if, if, if the Mavericks wanted to get funky or, or do something different with it, they, they have that ability. So, yeah, that's that's their two picks and, and, and they're they're useful picks. And, you know, it's it's going to be the best two picks, you know, certainly the 18th overall pick. If, if that's what it ends up being, that's going to be the best pick they have for at least probably the next three or four years. If everything goes to plan, especially since they don't even have a first round pick next year uh, for the Porzingis plan. One, let's let's go, Dave. Uh, what what do the Mavericks need? What what are you what do you look at this roster and say if, if you could pick an archetype of a, of a certain type of player? You know, what, what would you add to this roster as it's currently constructed? I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you'd find a, another playmaker. I mean, I think that, you know, we know playmaking is the most valuable skill in the NBA. 
And one of the issues this team had was crunch time. It was Luka Doncic or bust for a large portion of the year. And I think if you could find another playmaker, that'd be fantastic. I don't think you're finding one, maybe not in this draft at all, um, but definitely not one uh, that you can rely on with the 18th pick. I mean, if there was a a guy who could do that, uh, I'm almost certain. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, that would be a lottery pick in this draft. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This draft is super loaded with lead guards and I can see a world where, you know, a couple of them fall because not everyone's going to want to take a point guard. Right. But generally, I am pretty skeptical that someone like Kyra Lewis gets to 18. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical that someone like Tyrese Maxey gets to 18. Teo Maladon, I'm a little bit skeptical he gets to 18. So. Yes, I would say it's unlikely they're, they're going to be able to have a playmaker come in and contribute next year. I mean, right. Shit, like when do rookies come in and contribute for playoff teams? Right. It's few and far between. It's pretty rare. But yeah. yeah. So like, is there a world where I can see it happening? Yes. But, you know, I don't know that they should be focusing on next year with this pick necessarily. I think they should be focusing. See, I, yeah, I actually like they should- disagree. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but. I think if they could get a guy and this is where I'm going to lean on my, you know, just draft, draft a guy from Villanova who's been there for a few years. Uh, If they could get a guy who could contribute, period, it would be great because they are, as we talked about with John Hollinger uh, on last week's show, they are poised to potentially, you know, make a conference finals in the next couple of years. I mean, this isn't this isn't a five year plan for them. I mean, (laughs) Luka Doncic might already be a top 10 guy. He might be a tier one player next season. So oh, he definitely it, is. I don't even think well, that's I like mean, a question. Could be the best player on the championship team. That's that's what I consider tier one. So I'm not sure if he's quite there, but he's close. And so they should be thinking, well, if we can get some minutes off the bench, you know, 12 minutes, something like that from a guy who can contribute, that would be fantastic in the draft. Now, again, good luck. It's not often you can do that. So I, I agree and disagree in the sense that, you know, I wrote this in the piece. I don't think that they should be going for a boomer bust prospect. I, I do think they need to get something from this. And I, and I do think they have two stars. So it's not like, you know, they're they're this middling team with without a, a key figure in their rebuild. Uh, they, they don't need to be, you know, going and getting a, a, um, a bull bull, uh, for example, or, or someone right. like that. I, I do think they need to get something, someone, a player who fits into their long term future at 18. Um, and, and if you think about this, this is going to be the last good chance, certainly through the draft. But, you know, just generally, you don't really go get, uh, you know, top young prospects to to join a join a young core. That is really hard to do. And, and the one way you do it is through the draft. And this is their last best chance. So I, before the pod, you said that they need someone who's ready to contribute now. And like, yeah, I, I think it's ideal that you get someone who can play 10 to 20 minutes a night. but. You know, if they draft someone who they are convinced has a high floor, you know, a high enough floor that that it's comfortable, mm-hmm. that it's not going to be a bust. But but will need a couple years to grow into his role. But they're they're confident that, you know, he can be part of the Luca Kristaps uh, future core. You know, I, I think that's perfectly fine. That That's a that's a type of player that that, you know, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine them drafting. I don't care how good he is next season uh, necessarily. And, and maybe that's not exactly what you're saying, but. But yeah, it's to me, right. it's more about thinking that this is the last chance to really 
you know, go get a young player um, in this manner and develop them, you know, on the uh, along with the timeline that that Doncic and, and Porzingis are on. My my main point is just that this isn't it shouldn't be someone that maybe three or four years from now is a rotation player. They should be looking for someone who at least can get minutes next season and hopefully be in the rotation by by the following season. So this is where I'm looking at guys who are, you know, third year, fourth year players rather than, hey, we'll take a swing on, you know, I don't know, Patrick Williams. I don't know if it's worth that. And I only said him because I saw he was 18. No, and and like I think Patrick Williams is a really great example of that because Patrick's game is raw. We'll go with it's uh, he's, you know, six foot eight with like a six eleven wingspan and is a defensive playmaker already. And you you can make a case for him based on the specific roster needs that Dallas has. Hey, this guy would make a lot of sense. I think he's going to shoot it someday. He's already pretty good defensively, but there is a lot of work that goes into that guy. Like he is not ready to play at the NBA level uh, next season. I don't think. Now, my thing is I want a guy that is going to grow with the Kristaps Porzingis, Luka Doncic core, period. I don't care about next year. I want it to be a good fit with those two on the court, and I want it to be someone that three years down the road, when I think if we're being realistic, this is a title contender. Like, I, I don't see them as a title contender next year. I don't see them as a title contender probably even the year after that, unless things like really break right. I want someone that can really just grow with this team and potentially be a difference maker for that core. That's just the number one thing for me. And if I'm Dallas personally, while I don't really like this draft, I am almost certainly using this pick to take a swing on someone like that, if only because, like Tim said, this is their, realistically, their last chance to get a good cost-controlled draft pick into their mix. I I think we've all essentially said the same thing, but just have defined it differently as to, you know, what a swing is, what ready now is, what, what, you know, uh, a a boomer bus prospect is. So more or less, it sounds like we have the same idea that that they they should keep this pick and they should aim for someone, you know, who has some upside. It's not that, you know, uh, there is a level of of contribute now versus, you know, they're not drafting someone for four years from now. They're, They're drafting someone hopefully for two or three years from now who can grow into, you know, this, this role and, and, and fit the timeline. Is, is there any scenario that you guys would be okay or, or see value in, in the team trading this pick? Presumably down, because I, I don't think they have the assets to move up more than like a spot or two if, if they package both. And I'm not sure how much that would help them. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. So I think there's a case for almost every team in the league trading out of this draft because I don't think it's an (laughs) awesome draft, to be honest. Like if a team is willing to give you like a future first round pick for a pick this year. Given that they're 18, I would venture that they're in like you think it's a team that has a questionable future. I would venture there's like a pretty real chance that the future asset will be better than this asset. Having said that, there's also an argument for the currency of asset, like the, you know, asset having a burden hand now versus in the future being a little bit more valuable. But if a team like, say, Portland is willing to say, we want to your 18th overall pick, we'll give you a 2021 first round pick. I'd probably be pretty interested in that, depending on what the protections were on that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just just historically thinking of the 18th pick, it's it's you know, you're not going to get a third star from that pick unless you, you know, just, you know, have a have the best pick in the draft or, you know, like like you you make the best selection of, of, of a player who of someone who's able to do that. Like, you know, looking back and, and this is this is always a, a kind of weird way to look at things because, you know, it doesn't really take an effect who went before and after. But like the, the 18 picks in the in the past few years, Lonnie Walker, TJ Leaf, Henry Ellison, Sam Decker. Tyler Ennis, Shane Larkin, Terrence Jones, um, Eric Bledsoe in, in 2010. So, so you know, there, there's a good chance you get a player who's out of the league in four years. And Christ, and so, that's a bad, that's a bad run of 18 uh, overall. That's that's actually I, that's only, actually a really that was worse I've than only, I expected. I've only called one player awful ever, and it was T.J. Leaf. So <laughs> yeah, don't draft T.J. Leaf if he's in this draft. Sorry, T.J. Leaf mom. <laughs> I did She's not have TJ Leaf as a first round grade in that <laughs> yeah. in this draft or in the what was it 20, 2018 or twenty seventeen? I think it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, did not have a first round grade on TJ Leaf. Did not know what the Pacers were doing. That was it was unforgivable to me to take TJ Leaf over John Collins. Right, but uh, so it is a crapshoot, right? Like the la- the later you get, it is a crapshoot. But this is a draft kind of full of crapshoots, you know, crap shots anyway, right? Yeah, I'm not really a like the draft is a crapshoot guy. Uh, I think that there is a way to be good at it. I think that there's a way to do your homework and evaluate. And I think that in general, TJ Leaf aside, teams are getting better at selecting players in the draft in doing so in a manner that makes sense. Uh, for instance, you look last year, all of the top five picks were the guys that made the all rookie team, right? You kind of look through that, the structure of that draft in general. I think that the proliferation of technology has made it a lot easier to uh, competently evaluate players, right? Uh, just because we get literally every single second that they've played since AAU on tape now. So I, I do think that it's it's not as much of a crapshoot anymore. And I think there's a way to be good at it. And I think that Dallas, having said that, like there aren't 18, you know, starting level or, you know, difference maker starter level players in every draft. So Dallas would have to do their homework and really do a good job to get one of those guys at 18. So, so we've agreed here, just stepping back one, one moment. We, we talked briefly about the, what the needs are, um, but, but I think, you know, just to, to lay it out again, I, I think that they need a, another ball handler, a, a ball handling guard who can mm-hmm. play off the ball. That's key. Yep. You want Luca to have an outlet at times more than he has uh, last season or this season, uh, both seasons to be, to be frank. But but, you know, he's still going to have 90 possessions a game and, and you know, it's only going to increase as, as the as the playoffs go on. So you you want someone, you know, obviously who can shoot and and, and be able to, to cover up in, in that way uh, and, and play with him in that way. Uh, and if that's not available or alternatively, you know, just depending on how you rate the players that are available. Every team in the league could use another three and D wing, but but especially this team. You know, I, I thought that Dorian Finney-Smith was was especially taxed as, you know, pretty much the only wing as, as the roster who gave them, you know, consistent minutes. Um, Justin Jackson, you know, I had higher hopes for him than than Dave, as, as we've uh, discussed on this podcast. But he's not an NBA player uh, at this point. And and, you know, beyond that, you know, they, they had a lot of instances where they're playing Delon Wright and, and Courtney Lee and, you know, these tall guards, but, you know, not really wings. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a wing is valuable. I, I think defense first is, is a, uh, is the way that they should, uh, trend if, as long as they can, because, you know, this, this is a, 
number one offense in, in the league and in NBA history. There are some ways you can improve and there's certain holes you can fill, especially the late game offense stuff. And, and that's why we're kind of thinking about a another playmaker. Uh, but but ultimately, I think the, the biggest room for improvement for this team is is defensive out of out of the wings, out of the guards. If you were the Mavericks, who would you be most excited to see at 18, uh, Sam? Yeah, I'd be most excited to see Kyra Lewis. Uh, Kyra Lewis averaged like 18 points, five rebounds, five assists. He is younger than most of the freshmen in this class, despite being a sophomore. Uh, and look, like those counting stats are slightly inflated just by the fact that Alabama plays one of the faster paces in college basketball. I think they were like third last year. But having said that, I think that Dallas could also use a slight inflection of pace. Uh, you know, they had fewer transition offensive possessions than all but one team in the NBA last season. Uh, I think that that's directly because of the fact that they didn't force defensive turnovers at a high enough level. And part of it is because that Luka Doncic is a, hey, let's slow it down, survey the court. And I'm basically a f-ing god who can point out every single person on the court and pinpoint the exact perfect shot at all times. But I think that being able to get up and down the court a little bit quicker is a big, important factor for them going forward. Kyra Lewis can do that. He's able to play off the ball. Uh, Shoots really, really well off the catch. Shoots pretty well off the dribble. You know, a guy that can guard point guards reasonably well, but is going to have to improve his frame to be able to move down the lineup spectrum a little bit. I'm a big fan. I think he's going to be a starting level NBA point guard. And uh, I think that throughout the draft process so far, a lot of people thought he would be on the board for Dallas at 18. But uh, the people I talk to now that have like actually gone back and watched his tape, they're like, no way. Uh, it, it would be surprising to see Kyra Lewis on the board. But if he is there, that's the guy that I would be looking at. Yeah. And, you know, Carlisle loves to run three guard lineups quite a bit. Um, I could definitely yep. see him getting creative with a guy like that. How's he off the dribble? Like, how's his how's his pull up three off the dribble? Like, is he a threat there that may open up things for guys like Porzingis and and Tim Hardaway? Yeah, if guys go under the screen on him, like if a team plays drop coverage, mm-hmm. he is a lot. It's kind of like a John Morant situation where it takes just like that extra split second longer for him to load into the jump shot to where like. If he is like getting harassed uh, on like a show coverage, it's not like he's just going to be able to pull up. Right. And, you know, cross over to the left and pull. But if a guy goes under on him on drop coverage, he is very capable of knocking down that three point shot. I mean, that that sounds like the ideal guy. Yeah. Hence why I think honestly, I think he's going to go in the lottery at the end of the day. But Mm -hmm. um, if he's there and look like the range that I got over the course of the last like two weeks of asking around is 10 to 20. Dallas is at least still in that range, but I, I don't know that he's going to be there, to be honest. Well, and and that was actually that was my point about this draft, right? Like it, if you can get a guy like that who may pop, this is the draft to take a swing on him in the lottery. What if he's available at 14, which is probably going to be Portland's pick? Would you trade 18 and 31 for 14? Is that even a realistic idea? Portland is not, you know, very, fam- Ky- very famously has two guards, so probably not exactly what they're looking for for Kyra Lewis. Yeah, I would. Um, if he was for Kyra Lewis and Devin Vassell, who we'll talk about in a minute here, I would for some of these other guys, I probably wouldn't personally, but I also yeah, don't like think I, Portland's going to move that pick. Yeah, probably not. That's I, I what think, I I think it's a little that. optimistic. Yeah. I think maybe Orlando at 15, you could get with 18 and 31, 
Maybe, yeah. I think that's a little bit more reasonable. I think they, they that, can also. I mean, if if this guy's there, I think Orlando would definitely want this guy. Yeah, that's another thing. I was gonna say that like the spot might be New Orleans, maybe because New Orleans right. tends to be a bit more asset focused, and they could maybe think that they could turn thirty one into something else. But yeah, like it's just it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to envision Portland being like, yeah, we want another rookie here. Than yeah, what we're I mean, their cap situation is to get. their cap situation is is just in a in a place where this is Portland. You know, they really could use more assets. So if they if they had fourteen, the only way they're they're moving that is if they package it with someone to make a trade. Um, I think that they they wind up taking that pick. They just don't have any any guys really, like any youth, and they could use some. Yeah. And New Orleans at 13 feels like even even 18 and 31 might not quite be enough. I mean, it depends on the board. It depends on what's available. It depends on what New Orleans thinks of the draft. Are they locked into 13 or I guess because Sacramento and New Orleans have a tied record that will be determined at a later point since the season has been suspended and we haven't done tie breaks yet. I I, want to say that the ruling is Zion and uh, De'Aaron Fox have to fight for the higher pick. So why is that would you in the CBA? Is that in <laughs> yeah, that's in the CBA? No, that's, don't. Yeah. We'll have we'll have to get a. Don't do that to De'Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I mean they flip a coin, right? I think that that's what they wind up going yeah. with. Um, and so yeah, I mean who knows? Yeah. So Sam, who is the who is uh, Vassell? Is is the top wing on your board? Let's let's talk him for a second. Yeah, I really like Devin Vassell. I actually have a slightly higher grade right now on him than I do on Isaac Okoro, who teams like almost universally think will go somewhere between like three and 10. The reason I like him is because he's a shot maker and a defender, whereas a is more of like a ball handler type with good bend who can use his frame to maneuver around guys and finish at the basket. Uh, that is an elite level defender, but a shooting really worries me at the next level, just given how important shooting is uh, across today's NBA. I think both of them are, Excellent defenders who will make a strong impact on that end. They're both really good in help. Okoro, I would say, is probably a little bit better on ball than Vassell is, but Vassell is good on ball. Um, and the big thing with Vassell is that he's a shot maker. He knocked down 41% from threes, an efficient decision maker, 75% free throw shooter, something in that range. So not like an incredible indicator there, but a strong indicator. And then Uh, On top of it, he really started to make pull-up jumpers this year in a way that was new in comparison to his freshman year. He really added that aspect of his game, and I think that there is actually some mechanical room for improvement with his jump shot. He just kind of goes, his uh, upper part of his mechanics, the release point, I think is even just like a touch too high. It looks a little bit funky. It's like almost a little bit too far. Uh, I don't want to say behind his head, but like it's just a little bit funky up there. Yeah, I'm a big Devin Vassell guy, and I think he's going to be a legit NBA starter as like a third or fourth option at some point. Okay, talk me out of just saying that they should draft Sadiq Bey. So I actually do like Sadiq Bey a lot. Uh, I'm higher on him than NBA teams seem to be. The concern that I constantly hear from NBA teams is like, is he a Jacob Evans level athlete? He's certainly a better shooter than Evans is. And I think that and he's bigger than Evans is. So like, I don't think anyone's worried about him, like being out of the NBA, like Jacob Evans is on the precipice of being, but 
part of the problem with Evans is that he just like kind of can't burst by anyone attacking a closeout and the defensive aptitude that he showed at Cincinnati just hasn't translated because he's not laterally quick enough. Now, Sadiq Bey is six foot eight and has a six eleven, seven foot wingspan and was used against guards as much as he was against forwards by Villanova. But there really is a lack of burst there and teams worry about how that's going to translate whenever he's moving up the level, having to guard uh, quicker guys consistently. So if all six or I don't know if we've named all six, I think we forgot Maxi or, or haven't talked about Tyrese Maxi uh, is, is the one person who we haven't named. Let's say all six of those are off the table at 18. Uh, that's a that's a possible scenario, right? Yeah. So we haven't talked about Aaron Neesmith either. Okay, He's the yeah. other wing that uh, I really like teams really like, you know, six foot six shooter, elite coming off screens, elite shooting off a of ball movement, great at setting his feet, great at getting into his mechanics very quickly. I worry a little bit about everything else within his game because he has kind of slow feet. But he has, like I said, like a plus four, plus five wingspan. Teams think they're going to be able to make him a positionally versatile defender. Um, he's a great kid also. So like there's a thought that he'll be able to continue to improve. Yeah, I think that those are the guys you mentioned, Maxi. We haven't mentioned Teo Maladone yet. We haven't mentioned RJ Hampton yet. Uh, those two guys will certainly be on the board. But I think that there are six guys that realistically could be off the board and then they would be looking at a trade or looking at uh, the the wild card of all wild cards that I'm sure Tony Ronzoni knows all too well. <laughs> so in that scenario, you're saying Lewis, Vassell, Naismith, Maxi, Maldone and Bay are all off the board at 18. That would probably mean RJ Hampton and Patrick Williams are there. But you. Yes. And I would say that it's likely that one of those six will be on the board. Um, I wouldn't say it's 100 percent, but just given the way that the draft goes every year, like even if I have all those guys coming off the board like I do in my upcoming mock draft here, you know, I'm certainly not like exceptional at this to the point where I know where everyone's going to go. And every year guys fall. So I would imagine that one of these guys is probably sitting there. And, and you don't have to name the names necessarily, but but which which types of players would be going that that we haven't named that that aren't on this list of six that you like for the Mavericks? I assume there's centers or other bigs that could go beforehand, something that I, I don't think Dallas is really interested in. Certainly not. You know, I don't think they're going to spend the 18th pick on it on a big man. Uh, because I just don't think that's really a need for them. So is, is that the type of player that could go before and potentially push some playmaking guards or, or you know, 3 and D wings down to where the, where the Mavericks would be, you know, able to select? Yeah, like forwards like a Jaden McDaniels or someone like that. Or um, like does a wing like Josh Green, who I'm not quite as high on, um, does he find his way into the mix up there? Um, and then like Onyeka Kongwu is going to go somewhere in the top 10. Obi Toppin is going to go somewhere in the top 10. Danny Avdia is going to go somewhere in the top 10. And those are all big uh, men, correct? Killian all Hayes, centers. Tyrese. All centers for the most part. Um, those guys are all, no, I'd say they're more like forwards okay. than centers, but guys that uh, just will not be in Dallas's draft range. They'll be picked ahead of right. ahead of where Dallas is Nor most pick. likely in their... In so their, like Killian yeah. Hayes, yeah, like Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton... Cole Anthony, you know, lead guards, those guys will probably be off the board as well. Uh, RJ Hampton is, you know, kind of all over the place. I would say there's a chance he's gone, a chance he's not gone. You know, Patrick Williams is another one. There's a chance he's gone, a chance he's not gone. So, yeah, I think it's going to be 
interesting to see where guys kind of fall and where they don't fall. So, so yeah, I think the best case scenario is, is a run on big men and, and, you know, forward centers or uh, early on. Like, like you said, I think there's a lot of forwards that are, are potentially able to go. So if, you know, it's a very forward heavy uh, end of the lottery and in, in mid teens, if that's where a lot of those players go, I think that's very good for Dallas because there's a lot more chance. One of, you know, these six, I'm, I'm sure they like at least a few uh, would, would be available at 18. Let's say it's the opposite. Let's say all of these players who potentially fit what Dallas would need are gone. Uh, Dave, would you, you know, we, we, it depends on the trade. We talked a little bit about the trades and, and, sure. and the fact that it could make sense in some scenario. On, on the flip side, as we also said, like they're giving up their last best chance to get a young player who they can, you know, pair with this core. Would you, would you fault them mm-hmm. for that? Is that the, you know, well, yeah. I actually don't think, I mean, you know, the 18th pick, it's not like it's the 10th pick. Yeah. You know, I, I think that if if you move the 18th pick, um, even if you're just kicking the can down the road a couple of years to get off the pick, I don't think it's consequential. You know, like if you do get someone that can play, that's great. But if you can move it for a player that can play or package it with someone for, you know, to upgrade somewhere, that's the better move from everyone I've talked to. Like, like Sam said, this is the draft where everyone's going to want to be trading back or trading out of. So if you can yeah. pull that off, that's a good move. The, the issue is, can yeah. you pull it off? Can you move a draft pick that no one wants to take? That's the like the Warriors are going to have the same problem. Yeah, like here's a real like thing I've been kind of questioning. Is there a chance that like Detroit would trade Luke Kennard for the 18th pick? Like something like that. Hell like no. Kennard would legitimately. No. I mean, they just yeah, he would be wanted great, to trade. There's a, no way. But they just wanted to trade a heavily protected first round pick for him, you know, in the at the trade deadline. Right. Yeah, I, I just I can't imagine them trading him for the 18th pick. Maybe the maybe a top 10 pick in this draft. Maybe like I like. But Eight? like the other thing with Kennard is too, like I really like his game and like I mm-hmm. think he's definitely an NBA player as an offensive player. The injury concerns are real, like just like Fight Island is real, according to Dana White. <laughs> Luke Kennard's injury concerns are real. Like, I'm in on Fight Island is, like I'm in on Sadiq Bey. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm like I'm in both. too. Is yeah. Fight Island where De'Aaron Fox and Zion duke it out? That's it. Yeah, that's how they're Pro- going to determine I'm who gets sure that pick. <laughs> certain that Dana White would be willing to put that fight on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like I love Kennard. Like Kennard would actually work really, really well for this team. Um, right. Again, any he, he can shoot, right? Like shooting is is the next most valuable skill behind, you know, creation. So and if you could get him for the 18th pick, too. right. If you could get him for the 18th pick, that'd be amazing. I just don't think that, you know, from talking to people about the value of the picks in this draft, I, Detroit would have to be crazy to trade him for the 18th pick. I think they could do better. Yeah, me personally, I wouldn't do that. But again, like we have evidence from this trade deadline of them like having Kennard on the market. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that that's where like it's just the valuation that we have on guys is going to be different than the valuation that teams have on guys. Right. So where like is, is a deal like that, like totally impossible. I, I don't think it is in a year like this is a deal like, um, like I'm trying to think of another one that could make sense from a team that's like pseudo rebuilding. Right. Uh, Minnesota, unfortunately doesn't really have like a ton of crazy assets, but like, I, I don't think there's like a Malik Beasley sign and trade deal 
out there, but like that's the kind of thing that is interesting to me. Is like that kind of thing. Is that kind of move? Yeah, yeah. To to just to summarize, I, I think that it would be disappointing in a way for the Mavericks not to use that pick on a player that they believed could be part of the young core moving forwards. But it's it's also you know they they may not yeah. feel like there's a player there, and and any trade you know obviously it it will depend on the trade and and we will we will judge it based off of what they get, but. I think there are trades that I could be pleased with, you know, from from a from a perspective of me analyzing the team, um, especially, you know, with with the uncertainty of, of the players who might actually be on the board. So I think that's essentially where we are. I mean, like, here's here's the other thing, too. Like, could you use 18 in a deal to get someone like Lowry Markinen, who is clearly not happy with all of the things that are going on in Chicago? Uh, maybe he is right. now with Arturis, but like. Um, was very yeah fit wise i wouldn't unhappy. do that but but again like you know think of it as an archetype think of players like mark and you know use them as an example are there other players like him around the league who you know maybe are available cheaper and, and are young because well then the Knicks the next plan is to trade for a disgruntled star right so maybe there's a sub star that is also disgruntled that that you might be able to swing for it's not not the worst idea and maybe maybe the Knicks are in asset accumulation mode and want to get something like the 18th pick and are willing to trade like Frank Nilakina and I don't know, like another guy on the, at the end of their roster. I, like, I kind of like Damian Dotson, but like Damian Dotson, mm-hmm. I think has a non-guarantee next year. Or is he a free agent? I can't remember. He's restricted regardless, but like, that's not a terrible deal for me. And I think the Dallas kind of like Nilakina in the draft. So like, mm-hmm. I would look at that. And we know that they liked if we're talking Chicago again, we know that they liked Wendell Carter in the draft. So like, is, can you do 18 and something else for Wendell Carter? If Chicago is just like totally rebuilding again, not a deal that I would do if I was Chicago, I'm just like throwing out potential ideas here of potentially rebuilding teams, getting rid of a young player to Dallas that could grow with Dallas. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think there's any, specific outcome that uh, that i'm ruling out right now you know draft draft a guard draft a wing trade up trade down uh you know i, I think that there's a scenario in, in each of those options that i think would be the best scenario for the team depending on how things play out depending on who's available depending on on who rises and falls uh you guys want to very briefly talk about this uh 31st pick dave do you have any strong opinions no because i don't really know any of the players i mean like Nico Mannion's a little bit interesting, like in that range. I'm just looking at your big board. Josh Green, um, Vernon Carey, even it just, you know, if you can get a guy who maybe, you know, underperformed in the one or two years of college that they played and, and hope that maybe there's more there and that you can unlock it, that'd be great. Um, but I would be looking at this as a potential, you know, guy that you could be putting in the G League. And yeah. and trying to develop, you know, that's more of a long term play or, you know, or move the pick. But yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about uh, Udoka Azubuke there? I think it's high to take him um, for reasons that I don't want to get into <laughs> hoarding wise. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> all right. Like he's a great kid by all uh-huh. intents and purposes. Um, Might not love basketball. Uh, yeah. One of these. <laughs> No, uh, I think oh, that okay. it's I think it's just high to take a true big man that is going to get hacked every time he touches the ball. Like uh, the way that I've been pitching him to the teams is just like 
okay, like he's probably Bo Bonnie in that he plays 10 minutes a night and uh-huh. can hold down your backup center spot and be an elite level rim protector and rim runner and finisher. But the thing with Boban is Boban's like a 75% free throw shooter. Yudoka's mm-hmm. bouquet is like a 35% free throw Oof. shooter. So teams are just going to murder him as he goes to the basket. And it's just going to be like, there's no recourse here. I, right I do think one so, team need for the Mavericks is a, is another backup big man. But, but I, I do also agree that they, they wouldn't, you're not drafting a project draft draft. Honestly, if, if you're, is that a polished spot person they need there? Alexi Puck Puck Pukashevsky. So yeah, I think uh, thirty-one is a project, right? Like you're, you're I mean, you're not going to get. Well, I guess I'm saying like, like ready to come in. They, I guess they need like a third emergency big, not maybe not an emergency big, but they they need a player that isn't Boban who can give them size and big minutes when they have injury issues. Yeah, and they can sign especially a without big knowing off. when Dwight Powell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they can just do that, too. But, you know, if if there's somebody you like there and it it is, you know, maybe a three or four year player. But but again, I I shouldn't even, you know, throw the scenario because I don't I don't know who is. Who would be in that in that uh, spectrum. So, yeah, like. We we talked a lot about Pukashevsky in the uh, article that we wrote, Tim. And like I, I was like making jokes that like Tony Ronzoni has this kid like locked away in an apartment in Greece right now. Uh, without internet access. Mavericks director of player personnel, Tony Renzoni. Yeah, and honestly, like one of the legends of international player evaluation. Um, He will certainly know what the deal is with this kid. But like, I'll tell you what, man, like Pokyshevsky, like he is, he's playing in second division Greece like Giannis was. And the guys he's playing against, they look like, they just smoked a pack of cigarettes and stepped onto the court 20 minutes later in some cases. Well, they did. <laughs> like, yeah, but like the gifts that like the gifts that this kid has are ridiculous. He's seven foot tall. He legitimately moves like a wing. It's not like, oh, yeah, like this guy, he can run and he can do this, like this stuff. Like he actually has the body control to be able to like pump fake, attack a closeout Euro step and like get around guys. But does he have the ability to do that? at Euro League level, at G League level, at NBA level, or is it he's able to do this because he's playing against guys that just look like they smoke a pack of cigarettes outside, right? It's hard to say, but goddamn, man, like the potential is enticing. He can really shoot the basketball. He blocks shots. He has great reactivity in regard to steals. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I think he's going to be discussed at 18 just like a lot of teams in that range are going to discuss him like yeah historically the, the mavericks have used this early second round to get uh usually like a like a three or four year uh college vet uh jay crowder jalen brunson i think i think there's a few other names so that the further back you go uh but but i think you guys have talked me into it you know if there is a project that they like and if they use 18 to get someone they feel will you know be contributing minutes uh within a year I'm probably fine with them, you know, going more project, going more boomer bust for 31. You know, you kind of view that 31 pick as a as a freebie since, you know, it's not theirs. They 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 snuck it away from from Golden State and, you know, kind of lucked into Golden State having, you know, a calamitous season, uh, which, you know, certainly is not something you would have expected coming into the year. Um, so, you know, sure, it's a free pick. It's a free chance to get a player who could be amazing you know if if they have seen enough of 
this kid whose last name I am staring at and, and still will leave to Fasini to pronounce because you do, you're going to do it better than me. But there it is. Pokashevsky. Exactly. Pokashevsky. Anyway, you guys, the, the point is you guys have talked me into, you know, I'm, I'm fine with a with a high potential uh, low floor guy there. If if if, if it's somebody they they really like and if 18 turns into somebody who, who can't contribute because, you know, the roster does still need to get, be getting better. But yeah. And look, like, I think he, if, if he's at 31, like, I can't imagine Dallas not Snag being him. like, yeah, Snag I love that guy. Yeah. Um, I think that another guy that'll be in the mix from the international crop there will be Leandro Bomaro. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a shooting guard for Barcelona's second division team right now. He's played some Euro League minutes this year for Barcelona. I'm not quite as in, but he's like a six foot eight true wing slash guard who can attack. He plays with speed. Uh, I think he needs to work on the jump shot quite a bit still. But that, that's a guy that will, you know, they will be certainly very familiar with uh, as an international prospect. Uh, and then, like you guys said, like there are going to be bigs in this mix here at 31, if only because I think that that's what the talent is going to dictate. Uh, yeah. There's a big group of big men that I think realistically could fall out of the end of the first round, starting with, uh, you know, Isaiah Stewart. I don't think it's like a lock to go in the first round. If he was there at 31, uh, that would almost certainly be the best player left on my board. And I would advocate taking him. Uh, Vernon Carey, Jalen Smith. What? Daniel Aturu, Zeke Naji, Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly, uh, you know, Reggie. These are Perry, not real names. At some point, of, you just guess. started making I'm them up. Really a fan. I mean, like I can I can keep going, but like there are there are a lot of bigs that I think are real late first, early second round picks and in terms of talent, at least. And I think if Dallas does want to fill that role, there is a real uh, there's a real way to go about doing it. at thirty. But also, listen, for bigs, man, like you can pick up a replacement level big. On the minimum. I mean, you can just find guys yeah, to fill those minutes. I mean, Jaleel Okafor is going to be out there. Uh, Kyle Quinn. I mean, there, there's guys. JaVale, Jan Mahimi. I mean, they're, they're going to be guys available this summer. Final word on this, and I can, I can decree this because I, I am the host. You, you pick at 31. <laughs> you, you pick a big at 31 if you really like the big. I, they do not need to pick a big just to pick a big to fill a roster need. So that, that's how I treat it, and, and I'm sure they are too. Um, also, the pick in question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Like if if there's a big that you think is like flat out a f-ing NBA yeah. player, you just take them. You know, mm-hmm. like at 31, the hit rate just is what it is. I'm absolutely yeah, taking I'm good with that. if he's there. Both of you, thanks for coming on and, and talking uh, way too long, probably about about uh, some uh, draft prospects. But uh, it was fun. Always good to talk to Sam. As long as you guys have fun. Yeah, as long thanks, as you guys Sam, have thanks, fun, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. So what's the most important part? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So and me always being right. But anyway, uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. And uh, do be sure to uh, go read me and Sam's athletic article as well. Um, you know, it's it's similar to this podcast, but I, I think we do touch on a few things we, we didn't in here and, and vice versa. So uh, you can do that. And, and you know, as, as mentioned, 90 day free trial uh, if Uh, You are not a subscriber to The Athletic. And with that, we will be back next week.